Welcome to Kenobi, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Outer Rim. My name is Matt, and joining me is Pete. Hello there, Pete. Hello there, Matt. Hello there, listeners. Kenobi, a Star Wars podcast for Fantastic Geek for Obi-Wan Kenobi Parts 1 and 2, the series premiere two-parter, comes to you now. Pete, I suppose we'll just dive straight in. Oh, wait, Star Wars Celebration is going on this weekend as well. I understand there have been a little uh, bits and pieces of information coming out of there as we kick off our Star Wars Saturday coverage. Starting, of course, with the two-part premiere on Thursday night, and then they made the series available for everybody else just a little bit early. There had been a online arms race matt who would blink first to control friday um and uh obi-wan beat old stranger things and netflix to the punch dropping uh the first two episodes at uh 9 p.m uh pacific time midnight our time here on the east coast uh so giving it to fans a little bit early and of course, Pete, this uh, this busy Friday drop preceding the normal release for uh, Kenobi episodes on Wednesdays, uh, which of course we will be covering on our continued Star Wars Saturdays uh, podcast. Yes, and uh, want to thank everybody who got us their thoughts with the quick turnaround here. You'll have a little bit more time now that we'll be doing episodes. Those Obi-Wan Wednesdays turn into our Star Wars Saturdays. Also at Star Wars Celebration was the drop, and then, of course, you know, on YouTube and everywhere else, uh, of the really, really wonderful Andor teaser. Great tone to it. Great tension to it. Uh, Of course, that means we'll be podcasting it as well. Pete, when does the first part of Andor hit Disney Plus? The first two episodes will stream on August 31st, and, of course, we will be bringing you that shortly afterward i believe too there was the announcement that there will be a second 12 episode season as well right my my mind is still boggling at that news which they're calling part two so a lot of parts here that we're talking about i miss the days of the mandalorian and the book of boba fett with chapters uh but andor uh they have filmed season one which will be part one they will film season two which will be part two this fall pete hopefully all those great characters from andor the show can just go on and on and on endlessly it's not like there's a a fixed end point for anyone there oh wait uh pete can we talk about another show that maybe does have an open end to its future yes mandalorian season three uh they did show a trailer at star wars celebration uh it's only been officially shown there matt of course i've seen it i know a lot of our listeners have as well um but uh season three will be out in february 2023 farther than we may have thought however just you know understanding the andor release date and that takes us to the middle of november uh and and knowing that occasionally disney plus releases things that aren't star wars uh, I suppose that February date does make a ton of sense, even though I, I wish it was February now. Pete, there I am. I'm tapping through the glass on the back of uh, Mando's ship there saying, can't we go faster? 
Uh, but it turns out we can't. Uh, however, Pete, John Watts, the acclaimed Spider-Man director, formerly the future director of Fantastic Four, left it. Where was he going? What would he do? Uh, Star Wars Celebration gave us an answer to that as well. The speed with which he amicably left the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, and now has since pitched and had uh, Star Wars skeleton crew greenlighted is shocking. And it's going to be out in 2023. So that's a live action show starring Jude Law about which what else do we know? Nothing. Which I kind of like. I like that, among other things, we know how the Andor arc ultimately ends with Rogue One. We know where, we know what is out of bounds in this Kenobi series. You know, Pete, I don't think they're killing off Obi-Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader, Uncle Owen, or Aunt Beru, or maybe that adorable little little fella that uh, is there on the moisture farm and so forth. Uh, don't so, leave out the adorable little girl who's stolen both episodes. <laughs> indeed, indeed. But with so many kind of, uh, you know, fixed points there, the notion that, and obviously we'll get into the Kenobi episodes shortly where it, it took twists and turns I was not anticipating, but the notion of a show that may be connected to the Kenobi and or ish. I know there's a 10 year difference there, but uh, Kenobi and or ish portion of the timeline or the Mando portion of the timeline. Who knows where Skeleton the Bad Batch. Indeed, like just all these question marks are a good thing. They are. There's also a Young Jedi Adventures animated show that was announced uh, yesterday, Friday, as well as another Lego Star Wars special, this one coming this summer, akin to the Halloween and uh, holiday ones that uh, Disney Plus has had thus far. As we record this on Saturday, May 28th, uh, there still has yet to be the Bad Batch panel at Celebration uh, since it's happening tomorrow, and that's how time works. Uh, Pete, are you, as a, as a diehard Bad Batch guy, are you looking for any news out of that panel? Just an announcement, when we'll see Season 2. Uh, Pete, from the galaxy far, far away, to a quick note to, uh, I guess our galaxy of the future. Of course, we will be podcasting Star Trek Strange New Worlds uh, tomorrow, our Star Trek Sundays, that for episode 104, which uh, what a journey that has been. I, I will save further uh, further commentary until tomorrow for that. But uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, we're living in the best of pop culture times. We bring it all to you, and if it's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. We've been Obi-Wandering through these Star Wars. Here's what we saw. Matt, previously on the Star Wars prequel trilogy from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I know that there are many problems uh, that I have, that you have with the prequels. I, I, I have heard the argument that depending on which was your core trilogy is your favorite one. And with that, you view the other trilogies differently and whatnot. So, but anyhow, the problems are there. This recap, vital, wonderful, a recasting of, you know, 
some silly moments or some moments that maybe it's like, there goes George with his weird dialogue again. All of that washed away to say, these are the key things to keep in mind from the prequels to give trajectory into this show and just a vital, vital recap there. A Star Wars card with a couple new helmets and faces of course one from the bad batch and then i love the addition of the mouse droid silhouette uh we enter uh that looks like the familiar capital planet why look those are adorable younglings wait they're jedi trainees and uh before the trouble even starts i think a a keen-eyed star wars fan knows what night this is Yes, this, of course, uh, right before Order 66, the Coruscant skyline lit up as the camera dollies into the Jedi Temple, where a female youngling joins others in following the motions. Um, I think uh, the way the camera introduces us to the first youngling, there's some stuff to unpack a little later on okay but no sooner has that uh female jedi instructor stopped with the tai chi then the door whooshes open and members of the 501st clone trooper legion start firing matt uh i couldn't help we've talked off mic you couldn't help but think of recent events in this opening yeah and i think it's easy to separate real life and fiction uh but certainly strange circumstances to be to be watching this uh this attack on the jedi temple uh in light of recent uh you know school violence and shootings and death and so forth um but to return fully to the the star wars moment here the the camera work uh whether it's at the uh at the brilliant mind of director deborah chow or the cinematographer chun chun hoon um things moving handheld and frantic kind of have an, an extended an extended one shot a long take without it being kind of overly flowery and overly look at me i'm doing a handheld take um as we see this expanding violence uh and see the uh the follow-through with order 66 uh, it's a it, it's a powerful way with which to start this series from the room and the children taking refuge behind the instructor as she gets rid of the first two clones, then into the hallway where a male defends them before he drops the uh, choreography of the defense, the twirling, the spinning, the jumping really not something we've seen of order 66 to this point. And we've returned to it a couple times. Those that watched the book of Boba Fett, of course, a flashback there. And to even think that that's going on in another point of the temple as this is unfolding, I think really increases the magnitude on top of which that, you know, uh, a young Darth Vader, is making his way to the council chamber where there are kids who are going to look to him. Hey, what, what should we do? Um, 
but you know, this all really works. I had heard that the show would open with this sequence, but you know, to know it and then to watch it completely different and, you know, to open the Obi-Wan show with not Obi-Wan, which is a bold choice, number one. And the thing that really looks back at the largest failure of the Jedi, this blindside by the clones, by the Emperor, with Order 66, and, you know, the echo of that as the children huddle over the fallen instructor. And then, you know, from the vantage point of the bridge where they're unobstructed to, to run and get away to see the Jedi fighting the clones, attempting to fight them off below. You reference the, the intersection with a flashback scene from book of Boba Fett. Now is as good a time as any to point out. Uh, I think that, uh, for some somewhat casual fans, there may be some confusion as to timeline when it comes to Kenobi versus Mandalorian uh, and or I think may further confuse some people and so forth. I think that A, what Star Wars has going for it, uh, I, I would say obviously by design, but propped up by the fact that J.J. and company made the sequels you know, uh, out of similar cloth. Um, the fact that there's, you know, stormtroopers are stormtroopers regardless of what age you're in. And I kind of would say it's akin to you can watch the film Dunkirk and you can watch the film 1917 and both have Brits against Germans. Um, and if you're confused as to which war it is and when it's taking place and so forth, um, that confusion should not get in the way of you enjoying the story of Dunkirk, the story of 1917. Similarly, if there's a more casual audience member wondering when will the Mandalorian show up and save Obi-Wan Kenobi, the fact that it's not going to happen um, is okay. I don't think that's going to get in the way of, uh, of a more casual fan enjoying this journey, season three of Mandalorian and or Ahsoka, etc. Following the Obi-Wan Kenobi title card, we're told 10 years later, as the wind whistles over a bustling settlement, we're never told which. Is it Moss Espa? Is it Moss Eisley on Tatooine? One of the mosses, one can assume. <laughs> uh, we have townsfolk making their way down the street, as townsfolk do. Uh, an Inquisitor ship arrives. Great shot choices here again from uh, Deborah Chow and company. Uh, the shadow, uh, you know, the overhead... Uh, shot with the shadow flying over people, the ship flying from view of the street and so forth, uh, the wings folding up a nice touch too, um, echoes of some similar uh, ship designs, Rogue One, I'm looking at you, uh, and out of it comes, of course, the Grand Inquisitor and two other Inquisitors, uh, and they consider the crowd with obvious derision as they look around. The fifth brother and the third sister here also walking down the ramp the locals averting their eyes as the intimidating imperial figures enter an open air saloon the barkeep comes up and the grand inquisitor says uh he knows who they are and what they do hunting jedi of course Grand inquisitor says that in actuality he would say that jedi hunt themselves as he eyes these patrons. 
key is patience. They cannot help Jedi what they are. Their compassion leaves a trail. And in the Inquisitor's line of work, rumors run rampant. He recently heard one that involves Jedi hiding in this lovely saloon. Yeah, and just such a delicious presentation here by Rupert Friend uh, playing the Grand Inquisitor. It's a fine line. It's a fine actor who can speak nicely, use grand words and phrases, uh, sound complimentary, but it's all got the grin of the shark from Jaws. Um, it, it, it It's something that I think perhaps many actors can do. I think it's something that the average person would have a difficult time doing to, to emulate this performance here. Uh, there's this wondering aloud, perhaps the Jedi uh, was, was looking to help someone, found a barkeep, a man in need, a man being being roughed around by the locals who have been stealing and so forth. Of course, the Jedi should move on, but does not. The Jedi code is like an itch. You know, all of this effortlessly laying out not just the purpose and malice of the Inquisitors, but also how it is that they're able to hunt the Jedi, uh, the Jedi plural, um, the the sister, uh, helpfully to be named uh, aloud Riva in a little bit, which really is nice because all the number brother this, and number sister that. I must admit, Pete, I found that a smidge difficult to uh, to follow. So thank you, Story Gods, for naming her Riva. Riva throws a knife at the barkeep, which is stopped uh, and stopped by that nice young man in the corner. Gasp, Pete, that's the Jedi. Yes, with the three lines at the top of his forehead, the man with the brass mug that uh, the Grand Inquisitor had walked right by before, now holding up his left hand. They point to him and he runs, he slides under a table past the fifth brother, but Reva ignites her saber and blocks his exit. The Grand Inquisitor uh, tells the fifth brother to prepare him for interrogation. But the Jedi says they're wasting time. They know that, right? They'll never find them all. Reva swings her lightsaber and the Grand Inquisitor stops her blade as it makes contact with the Jedi's left shoulder and pushes her back, which allows him to run and use the force to pull down a pair of awnings there to block their way. The Grand Inquisitor tells her she is reckless, and she asks why they chase after scraps. But that's all they have left, he says. Then they should be hunting bigger prey, she counters with. Uh, he is not hers to find, the Grand Inquisitor lectures Reva. They are past this third sister he will not warn her again she will forget this fixation with kenobi that's the guy who the show's about yeah. um again i marvel at you know we've had kind of the the very effective talky scene here from the grand inquisitor um obviously doing a lot of story duty but you know hey after talk 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 let's do some action a fight a chase and so forth but to then build in visually, not just verbally, visually, this conflict between Riva and the Grand Inquisitor, um, and indeed with the with the the burning of uh, the young Jedi's shoulder and so forth, it's just you know th this is how you can accomplish in 
you know, how long is this scene? Two minutes, three minutes? They can accomplish so so much. Um, we uh, fade to the sands uh, and the remnants of Pete. I'll maybe call a sand ray. Um, meat is being pulled from it. Workers toiling in a sort of mobile butcher shop. Large uh, cubes of meat are cut out. The whistle from a droid, uh, a, a gonk droid, announces the end of the day. Workers start to clock out, even as Obi-Wan takes a slice home. Um, I guess it's he's taking when he should not, because there's a little glance around, but also we know he keeps doing it as the days go on. But uh, he sees a man, Obi-Wan does, sees a man get paid half the normal rate. The man complains to a very large foreman about the injustice. The man gets a smack for his trouble, and Obi-Wan Kenobi just keeps watching, not helping, not speaking, and he just simply clocks out, too, uh, as he takes the ride back on the open-air bus. Yes, the hover train there into town with its topless uh, section uh, gets to his Yobi, uh, and... uh, in the shelter, he feeds it that meat he had stuffed into his apron. He leads it out, and they ride to a rocky cove where a droid sensor scope pops up and lights up blue. There's a moisture evaporator as he enters the cave, and inside he hangs his bag and places his pay in a box. He cooks dinner on a little stove and brings it outside and sits Suddenly, there's a whirring behind him, and it's a Jawa who tells him he should have bought some soap because he can smell him from Anchorhead. <laughs> uh, a, a delightful little moment here. Again, though he's creeping up on Obi-Wan, the fact that there's a joke, the fact that in a little bit Obi-Wan will call him Tika, it, it doesn't require dialogue like, my old friend, come to visit me again, as you so oftentimes do. They can show this through action. That's why you get great directors and cinematographers and so forth. Uh, But what has Tika the Jawa brought today? Uh, A very recognizable toy ship. They negotiate the price. The T-16 Skyhopper? Pete, beloved by youth of the early uh, empirical era. Um, It's also noted that the evaporator is on the fritz. Uh, But Tika has just the part that's needed uh, probably stolen straight from the very evaporator that now needs it. Um, and easy relationship between the two, perhaps even Pete, showing that Obi-Wan wants so little conflict that he will just make a joke out of, you know, if you're going to steal the the, the who's he what's, the least you could do is clean it before you sell it back to me. That costs extra, Matt. Uh, I, I suppose. So. Pete, it's as though Tika is Disney. Would you like more? You can pay more if you want more. Um, Tika also has uh, some some jetsam from, you know, that Jedi's ship that crashed in the wastes, oh, those years ago. Um, I, I'm sure, Pete, if I pause here, you will tell me about the, the long and beloved history of the leather belt. I think it was implied this is the Jedi that they just chase out of town. I I will agree that it could be. I also, um, in all seriousness, I had wondered, like, oh, man, surely someone will do a deep dive and be like, look, in the first half of episode two, that's Obi-Wan's belt or, or you know, uh, uh, or sash or, or something like that. 
So I think it could be much like another Obi-Wan reference in the second episode. Um, I think it could be the one or it could be like Tika saying, what did you hear that like 10 years ago, a Jedi crashed here? Isn't that weird? And Obi-Wan saying, yeah, Jedi weird. Um, so I think it could cut both ways. And if the intention is for it to be one or the other or both, uh, then that's also a smart move here. Well, these Inquisitors, the Tika notes that had shown up, he hopes they get more of them because they're good for business. But don't count on it, Obi-Wan tells him. He's heard the Jedi are all but extinct. And he hands the belt back to Tika. And, tell, and Tika tells him he really does stink. Thanks, Tika. Goodbye. Tika grunts and takes his cart with him. Later, Obi-Wan sleeps remembering the prequels. And look, he basically dreams about the previously on that preceded this episode, um, which I think on the one hand makes the previously on a bit excessive. That said, it was a fantastic um, prelude, um, which I praised at the top of top of the recap and so forth. I just pointed out because I think sometimes writers etc writers producers and so forth they will include in the script um the retrieval of past information however you want it here it's a dream and i think somewhere else comes along maybe a higher level producer an editor and says you know we need everyone to be very clear about xyz and one two three the entire time let's do a previously on uh and i think sometimes you get you get that information served up twice here's the good news pete Everyone's completely clear about uh, some of these things that have happened in Obi-Wan's past. And he wakes up asking for Qui-Gon. I must admit, Pete, it took the proper previously on at the beginning uh, to remember the line that uh, Yoda will teach Obi-Wan uh, to commune with his old master. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd forgotten that. Uh, so the notion here's asking for Qui-Gon. No Qui-Gon in this episode. Spoiler alert. No Qui-Gon next episode. Pete, I have a want. I have a need. Uh, it hasn't quite happened yet, but thanks, show for making it very clear that I want that. I think, too, that the dream um, takes the events of the prequels out of sequence is important, that it opens with the duel between uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin and then flashes back to things like a young Anakin in the cockpit of a Naboo starfighter to really round out their association together. Um, but, you know, these are clearly uh, still unsettling things for Obi-Wan that he's struggling with and reaches out for his master and still no answer. The next morning, a sand scurrier chitters and digs when it hears Obi-Wan on his Yopi bellowing. Uh, Obi-Wan comes to another rock formation where he watches with his binox, the Lars homestead, where Owen tells young Luke to grab two canisters. The boy goes back and then runs when he thinks his uncle isn't looking. Owen calls for him and Obi-Wan scans around. Did he go back inside? Aunt Baru is heard. And she says he's run off as she emerges. Um, the boy is suddenly straddling the backside of the dwelling, wearing a pair of goggles, pretending he's pod racing. Now, Matt, is this pod racing? 
Pete, it it well it well could be. Uh it, it well could be indeed. Um with that Obi-Wan uh pardon me, day turns to night, uh, and Obi-Wan rides in, leaving the toy ship. He rides home, uh per- perhaps observed. That's what the camera work is telling me. Pete, it's Nari, the Jedi, you know, the one from the bar. Don't you recognize me, Master? Don't I recognize you? Uh we are both Jedi, are we not? Uh, Obi-Wan steps down from his ride, telling Nari that he must leave. He suggests uh, he bury his lightsaber in the desert. Uh, Don't worry about those in need. The fight is done. We lost. The time of the Jedi is over. Uh, Pete, that line there, obviously, I know when in the Star Wars timeline it's being said, and at this moment of uh, prolonged sorrow these last 10 years and so forth, but an interesting antithesis to the very earliest sparks of Star Wars, you know, that of Rebellion and A New Hope and all of that. The actor, Matt, Benny Safdie, uh, I gotta say, a little bit of an unusual choice. Also a director with his brother, Josh, of the Adam Sandler film Uncut Gems. Um, I had seen he was going to be in this series and to be playing this younger Jedi Finding Obi-Wan, having spotted him in town and now following him back uh, into the desert. Um, But he doesn't get what he wants. First, he's told he's made a mistake. And wait, you you were a great Jedi. And finally, Obi-Wan, you know, tacitly acknowledging who he was, but telling him that he has to leave. He'll draw too much attention. But he's got nowhere to go. They're hunting him. Obi-Wan has to tell him, has to help him. And instead, Obi-Wan tells him to take his saber and walk into the middle of the desert, bury it, stay hidden, live a normal life. But what about the people that need them? What about the fight? It's done. They lost. And Nari wants to know what happened to him as Obi-Wan gets back on his mount. The time for the Jedi is over, he's told. And he gets up and tells him to go back to the town and let it go. We change locations. You might think that this is the planet Druidia. No, no, we are on <laughs> Alderaan. Uh, and the the young uh, form of what is clearly, wink, wink, Princess Leia being dressed. I had wondered, Pete, is that red top perhaps a callback to her Cloud City outfit? Um, Mom enters, uh, saying that the whole family is coming. Behave if you're good after... The upcoming ceremony, you'll get some some sweet melons and so forth. And wait, there's an alien hand there. It's an alien girl who has been dressed. She says that she, Leia, insisted that mom would find this amusing. Uh, mom says for them to, to, to look here, look there, or wait, sigh, perhaps even look in the woods. Uh, and that is where the camera finds young Princess Leia out and about. Her disc droid, to be named shortly, Lola, flying along as well. Uh, and then she ultimately stops noting all the ships flying away, able to identify them. Also, the the slight notion here of there she is gazing at the stars or sky, much as we've seen Luke do, uh, and quite an introduction here. Flipping the vantage point to her, you know, having her be the little scamp looking for adventures really the way to go here climbing the tree watching the different ships as her little droid sprouts legs and lands next to her here 
one of the models of the ship, Matt, we last saw on Canto Bite, you know, on Cantonica, one of Matt's favorite Star Wars locations. It's also a medical freighter, a pleasure barge. That's boring. Uh, but wait, wait, there's a there's a tri-wing, ooh, an Aquilian Ranger, probably scouting for Mercen pirates. These are both deep cut references, Matt. Uh, but Brea Organa calls for Leia with two guards behind her. Uh, she had to do this today. Do what? Got to get down now. Uh, it's like raising a Glorag whatever that is. She climbs down and Brea tells her no Lola for the rest of the day. You really know you're in trouble, Matt, when mom takes your electronics. Uh, but she didn't do anything. Shut her down. She's told she means it. She's got to push the button on Lola and hand it over. If she behaved as well as she climbed, she'd be a Senator already. A knowing line there. Uh, Leia ultimately apologizes, hugs mom. It's a ruse to take Lola back. So again, <laughs> we're we're getting not just character introduction via dialogue and all of that, but we're getting to see her in action. We do see, Pete, that someone is watching them. Back at the butcher ship, though, uh, Obi-Wan cuts that extra piece, wraps it, takes the ride home. Obi-Wan picks up his steed, ready to feed it. Uh, but the toy ship is thrown at his feet. Owen has returned it. Uh, and uh, Owen is told that Luke needs to see the whole galaxy. Uh, ben, however, has been asked to leave the family alone. Uh, Obi-Wan, Ben Kenobi, simply wants to train Luke when he's ready. Uh, but Pete, the sickest burn, one that got from my wife, oof, was train him like Anakin. Um, and uh, Owen says that he just simply wants to be left alone. Yeah, for somebody who's going to be roasted as bad as Owen Lars eventually will, it's a heck of a burn. Um, Obi-Wan says that the boy is his responsibility, but Owen is his uncle. Uh, they talked about this. When the time comes, he must be trained. But Anakin is dead, Ben, uh, and Owen won't let him make the same mistake twice. So leave him on the farm with his family where he belongs. But wait, wait, there, somebody's telling people to move. Indeed, Pete. Uh, it appears to be fifth brother. Now, Pete, I just want to reiterate something that I'm sure we've discussed before. Okay, fifth brother played by actor Sung Kang, uh, who's best known as Han in the Fast and the Furious movies. Pete, do you know what Han's last name is? Solo? It, uh, it is S-E-O-U-L-O-H. It is Han Solo. No um, way. <laughs> what's that? No way. 100%. It's, it's shown on screen. I mean, he's been, he was Han the entire time. Uh, the character may have died more than once. Um, but uh, it's like an on-screen you know, ID or you get a look at his uh, you know, rap sheet or his driver's license or whatever. It's Han Solo. Um so I just wanted to point out, we have Han Solo in this scene. No, not that Han Solo, uh, but Sung Kang as fifth brother here. Um, he's offering a reward. They want to know where the Jedi is. Uh, Reva is with him, ready uh, to take a hand uh, as, as punishment. Uh, 
random woman from the crowd says, the Inquisitors have no rights out here in the Outer Rim, and the woman's hand indeed does get cut off. Um, If anyone knows anything about a Jedi, dot, 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 with that, Reva zeroes in on Owen. Uh, Do you know something? What's your name, Owen? She says, hmm, let me guess, wife, kids, maybe you have a Jedi there? Uh, Owen says he has no love for the Jedi, which we know is very true. He sees them as vermin. Um, He removes, he kills vermin at his farm. Uh, But she asks, will he not also protect his family? Then she asks the crowd, uh, or rather she asks him, can he protect his family from Reva? And then the crowd is told to either give information uh, or Owen and his family will die. So now the pressure here, will the crowd act to save this man? The simmering rage that Moses Ingram delivers as the third sister, Reva here, is really, really felt. And, you know, all of her performance in this scene, getting leaning in to, to Owen, can, can you protect them from me? All of that followed up in a moment here uh, by the private exchange between her and the fifth brother. Really, really well done. Um, you know, she tells everyone there that if they don't do anything, uh, if they don't tell them where the Jedi is, that uh, Owen and his family will die. And the reaction shots of the fifth brother clearly uh, let it be known she's off script. Says the Jedi are cowards, that they failed them, they abandoned them. Hmm, and I wonder where she's getting all of this. Uh, that there's no point in protecting them, and they wouldn't do the same for them. But they can save this man and his family as she ignites her saber again. And Obi-Wan, the entire time, is crouching inside the stall with his Yopi. Uh, you know, does he reveal himself? Does he act? Fifth brother finally says, enough. He shows a hologram of Nari. Uh, if they remember every, anything, rewards will be given. And he tells the third sister to stand down. She finally extinguishes her blade and tells uh, Owen next time. In a quiet corner as the two Inquisitors walk off. Uh, Pete, maybe it's an alley, okay? Uh, the fifth brother pushes Reva against the wall. She is too impulsive. He tells her to stop looking for Kenobi. It's been 10 years. Uh, she'll, uh, she, however, wants to get what she's owed and uh, wonders if perhaps the Inquisitors are not going far enough. We go back to the crowd where Obi-Wan kind of weaves his way in. He thanks Owen. Uh, Owen says that he did not do it for Obi-Wan. So, Pete, that not a full-on burn, but that that's another one right there. We go back to Alderaan, where the visiting transport lands, uh, and Mom and Le- uh, Leia see Bail Organa. Uh, they're all TB's in- Jimmy Smiths. It, it is, uh, and uh, Peter was observed in my house that he has aged uh, very, very well uh, across these years. To think, what it, it was a cameo. He appeared in one scene in 1999's The Phantom Menace, right? And, and then future He's movies, not but that was his Phantom Menace. Then is it one scene he in was recast? There was a uh, there was a scene with Bail Organa 
shot with another actor and they recast him. Wow. Again, bottom line, <laughs> the number of, it, it's rather, it's like a lesser version of Anthony Daniels in that the number of times Jimmy Smith has done his final Bail Organa, you know, scene, um, it, he just keeps coming back and coming back. Uh, obviously delightful use here. Uh, the trio are going to pick up uh, mom's sister and uh, Leia's cousin. Uh, I, I guess the uncle is in the mix too. Uh, there's a party where uh, the the um, the the dad of the visitors is ready to talk about getting rich. The empire is finally starting to pay out, uh, even while Bale is ready to speechify. Uh, and it, uh, it it takes uh, it takes a little. A uh, little side eye, as the kids would say, for him to kind of take a breath here. Uh, Pete, in the party, we see C-3PO briefly. Uh, and then we have Leia talking with her cousin. And uh, he is not impressed that she says thank you to droids. Yes, thanks the blue-eyed protocol droid Y-O for serving her. Um, it's good manners, though. Uh, and she's been told by the cousin there you don't need manners when you're talking to a lower life form the the spunk that our young uh leia actress vivian lira blair delivers is just so delicious that she follows up here um that uh her her cousin um she must not need the manners when she talks to him. Um, it should be noted to the hairdo she's got that they had put on the other actress, the alien doppelganger is the identical hairdo that princess Leia is wearing at the end of the original star Wars at the, um, the award ceremony. So really great, uh, tie over to the original. It is, it is, as is just the, the heart and soul uh, of the Leia character here. I, I saw someone on Twitter say, uh, you know, surely Carrie Fisher would approve. And I think absolutely all the trouble that Leia is causing here um, is part and parcel with the character, with Carrie Fisher's portrayal of the character across the years. Um, indeed, even as she uh, dresses down her cousin uh including this idea that her cousin does not make decisions for himself pete that probably blew his mind the only way he can get more mind blown is if i don't know the whole planet were to blow up in about 10 years time i hope he's on it i really <laughs> do um and uh she references his fear uh that he thinks he can make people frightened of him but really he's the one who's scared uh it's just really well done and again out of the mouth of this 10 year old character um that uh she may not have seen much because remember they don't let her leave this planet but at least she can see that and uh bale and brea kind of you know at the other table not directly seeing this but kind of aware of it nonetheless later leia protests her cousin was being horrible to everyone and brea reminds her he is her cousin uh but he's rude to droids 
She's told she has to rise above and she owes him an apology, but she'd rather be digested by a jacko beast and goes to the balcony. Brea leaves and Bale comes over. It's a really tender scene here. He explains that when he was her age, he wanted to live out way past Cathu uh, and chase Purgle, those space whales, Matt. Uh, he had a whole plan. Well, what happened? He got older. He had to find some other adventures. He started chasing her mother instead, which makes Leia smile. But this is her future. In a few years, she'll be off to university, then junior Senate. She says Senate's boring. It's people in itchy clothes arguing. Uh, and it may seem so. Um, but she doesn't want to be a senator and he says that's probably why she'll be one of the best. But her cousin told her she's not even a real Organa, which gets Bale to crouch down and ask, what? Don't ever say that. Um, that she is their child and Organa in every way. This is such a touching exchange here that Smits has with this actress and the knowledge relayed to her that we know already that one day this planet will look to her. There's so many ways to lead. She just has to find hers. For now, though, she'll have to apologize. Instead, she runs into the forest again. <laughs> uh, there's a little separation of time. Her parents take note of this. Uh, a unit is sent. Um, but then, Pete, someone looking suspiciously like the guy who challenged uh, Marty McFly to a race in Back to the Future 3, uh, who also suspiciously looks like one of the goons uh, from The Big Lebowski, who also looked like uh, one of the bad guy surfers from Point Break, who also looks like Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wait a minute, Pete. It's Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, who sometimes in the past, in the 80s, would play his bass so hard, his finger would get a wound and he'd have roadies uh um crazy glue the wound shut during a show can this guy play a bounty hunter the answer is yes he's playing vect uh who's uh who has just found her he's been waiting for her uh there's a chase of some good repute here in the forest um one of the the helper baddies pete is that an alien of prince zizor's uh, uh, lineage. I gotta correct you on the pronunciation. It is Shijor, uh, canonically a Baleen alien, the uh, green skinned, ponytailed alien, the other having the horns like uh, Darth Maul. Leia screams for help. The uh, Alderaan guard comes a running, uh, but Vect blasts him, and Leia is cornered and bagged with a hood we cut back to uh obi-wan who's uh, in his cave his communicator beeping deep in his footlocker uh it is uh bail and breha on the uh on the communication here whoever took leia knew uh of her importance obi-wan's help is needed this of course cannot be made public at all it would only place her in greater danger can't obi-wan help um, he, of course, says, I'm here watching the boy. They say, what about Obi-Wan's duty to Luke's sister? Um, Obi-Wan then sadly says he's not who he used to be, uh, but has the energy to say, essentially, so find someone else. 
uh, and the conclusion seeming uh, rather definite there. Ewan McGregor really selling the brokenness and the hesitation in this man after a decade of hiding out just the beaten down nature on the ship. Leia uh, tells the pirates to let go of her. Vect wants her shut up and they take the hood off where she is tied up to a chair and closed in a room. Quitting time comes for the third occasion. Matt, once again, meat is wrapped and tucked away the train ride back into town. But what is different is that people are gasping and murmuring as the boots of a strung up man are visible. Obi-Wan sees from further away. This is Nari as the tremendous score by Natalie Holt here with her on violin plays. Ooh. Uh, certainly a poignant moment there. Uh, Obi-Wan goes home, uh, the droid sensor glowing red, showing there's trouble afoot in the cave. Um, inside it, Obi-Wan finds a cloaked figure. It is Bail Organa uh, saying that uh, she, Leia, is headed to Dayu. Obi-Wan's help is needed, uh, but what of the past? What of his failures and so forth? Bail saying that the past is in the past. It's time to move on. Uh, time to help save Leia, this being one last fight. On the ship that has taken uh, Leia, she, she's able to wiggle out Lola, power Lola back on, shushing Lola. Uh, Lola starts to cut Leia out, uh, and then is found. Uh, Lola gets smashed here. Uh, Pete, I think that the very clear variation of the story tool, bad guy kicks a dog, um, here smashing the little droid with kind of power down sad noises and so forth uh leia says an army will be sent for her but you know pete i hope no one thought i was i was uh, making light of flea's acting abilities um because he is thoroughly believable here as this you know kidnapper of children she says of course as i said the army you know an army will come for her he says no one is coming for her uh fantastic performance there uh, on Tatooine, we're going to do some intercutting here. On Tatooine, Obi-Wan is riding to the middle of the desert, kind of like the middle of the desert he had referenced earlier. He starts to dig back on Vex's ship. His cronies wonder if actually kidnapping a child is a good idea, uh, but Vect places a hollow call. Pete, there's just so much cross-cutting. I, I feel like this is like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. level excitement. Can you take over? I'm just too much cross-cutting here. The digging results in the finding of a box, which Obi-Wan opens Wrapped in burlap are Anakin and his lightsaber. Uh, he looks around as he's taking them out. Uh, back on Vect ship, uh, Reva appears on hologram. Um, she's sure Obi-Wan's gonna come. Uh, well, he fought beside her father during the war. He'll come. He won't be able to help it. The refrain uh, echoing what the Grand Inquisitor has said, the Jedi will hunt himself. Back in town, Obi-Wan is now uh, wearing his traditional uh, robe with the hood. Uh, a ship leaves high above as another boards. 
He looks at a ticket in his hand. Well, a woman asks, is he coming or not? There's a dramatic pause, and then he walks forward, the lightsaber visible on his hip as he walks by her podium to the ship ramp to end part one. And Pete, now is a big red droid light reminder to listeners that since parts one and two both dropped at the same time, we're about to dip into part two. I don't think we've done anything spoilery or in real discussion through the lens of part two information. Uh, but if you were listening at this in some far off future where you've only seen part one and you don't want to proceed, now's a good time to press pause. Okay, Pete, I think they're still with us. Are you ready to talk part two? <laughs> After the title card, Matt, a ship heads to a planet through the clouds to a city at night and lands on a platform. There are tiled walls and gritty people and a hooded Obi-Wan. I particularly like the uh, the two tube aliens kind of scooting their way across this platform. Now, Obi-Wan asks for help on the other device that was in his footlocker. He was tracking a ship uh, and its signature, but he's told he's on Dayu now. All signals in or out are blocked. People like their secrets there. There's lots of neon. Matt, if you get out your uh, Abarush, I believe is how it's pronounced, you can translate it. There's a sign for Gungan meat as well as blue milk. Um, one of those I'm surprised is uh, eaten, <laughs> but uh, sweet. <laughs> Not to overdo the sweet burns here, but that's a that's a that's a fun reference. And also, like a oh, like you know, Jar Jar's not that bad. Um, Obi Wan watches men fighting, folks playing the dice. Uh, visual references here to this green and moist and dirty place being trouble. Uh, Obi Wan murmuring to Qui Gon. Uh, and, and, you know, no response, of course. Pete, a clone trooper asks for spare coins. It's a familiar face. Um, is this uh, Obi Wan gives a few coins? Pete, is this the first time Tamora Morrison has? donned a whole clone trooper outfit what's the whole clone trooper anecdote from the prequels so none of the armor was physically produced for the original uh shooting of the prequels um so this is actually the first time he's wearing one his his head was digitally inserted for uh commander cody um and for some of the other clones that he plays. So, uh, yeah, uh, here he is sporting a dirty helmet that he's collecting coins in. It is uh, decidedly the 501st markings. And, you know, the the gray beard and the, uh, the just all-around sad sack appearance here you wonder for a moment, you know, there were millions of clones, but could this clone police one of the greatest Jedi generals and maybe, you know, ruin his stealth? All the more reason for Obi-Wan to drop a few coins and quickly turn away, uh, almost running into some stormtroopers. Uh, a young spice dealer offers up some goods. Pete, apparently the, the spice comes in multiple uh, flavors or variations 
Uh, but Obi-Wan says he's here to find his uh, M, uh, daughter. Uh, the dealer uh, essentially says, well, good luck with that. Everyone here disappears and fades away. The dealer was someone's daughter uh, once, too, which is a heck of a line. People don't get out of here. But Pete, uh, the spice dealer, offers up, indeed slips him uh, a, a little, uh, a, a wee tono, a mini tono, I don't know, a small container of spice, uh, which ends up playing a big, big role in the episode later. First one's always free, Matt. A couple more. He'll forget that his daughter ever existed. But it's at this point that a boy named Jayco asks Obi-Wan if he's having trouble. There's a Jedi. He helps people. Obi-Wan says the Jedi are all gone. But Jayco can take him to him for the right price. Jayco! Uh, we cut to Camille Nanjiani's Jedi. Um, he's promising safety to, to a woman and a child immediately, Pete, because Camille Nanjiani is a very solid actor. Immediately. The fact that this feels inauthentic is coming across. Um, it, it just has the whiff of a scam to we, the audience. Um, he does, however, uh, reveal himself. Uh, he does a an apparent a force pull on a, on a little comm unit there. Um, he Jedi mind tricks someone through the radio, which again, <laughs> longtime Star Wars fans are like, that's a thing now? Uh, Haja is his name. Uh, he's going to help them leave through gate 3C. Uh, Mom is so grateful. <clears throat> oh, yes. Uh, Mom will also give some coins here. Uh, please forget Haja. Still thinking this is a scam. Uh, Obi-Wan is watching from the shadows uh, and then enters even as Haja does what very much clearly comes across as him resetting the scene, the game, the scam. The boy being protected there and safe passage arranged to Corellia, not really the safest place from when we saw it later in uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, noted as having powers, as being a Jedi, that he's protecting his own. So an interesting aspect to that. But uh, Obi-Wan, having been in there the whole time, hey, how'd you get in here? Um, and uh, depends on who's asking uh, type of stuff. So all the coding is there. All the subtext is there. And uh, Haja not knowing who he's dealing with. Um, indeed, uh, and Haja, you know, explaining he'll help the you know the unnamed Obi Wan um, just for a few coins. You know, five hundred to locate the girl, three hundred to take him to her, which seems like a lot. What the if Obi- I want some tricks? <laughs> um, I think the tricks might come for free. No, um, a thousand. He'll throw a couple in, man. Oh, well, the, this price keeps Remember going. Remember when Obi Wan and Anakin and all those other Jedi would like, hey, yeah, here, I'll I'll levitate some stuff for a couple extra credits. Hey, I'm gonna send a poorly rendered apple to you across the table. It'll be <laughs> great. Um, uh, Pete, no apple in this scene. Obi Wan pulls a blaster, uh, pulling at Haja's hand and so forth, calling all of this tricks and magnets perpetrated by a bottom feeder a rat but rats know about the sewers look at that 
they stuck with the metaphor. Uh, rats know the sewers better than anyone else. Uh, so they're off to the sewers. Um, however, it appears that Obi-Wan will have a difficult time uh, getting into to Pete what my notes call Club Cool. It looks like a cool place for an underworld sewery place, doesn't it? Yeah, where they're making uh, spice. Uh, Looking there like Star Wars version of Walter White or Jesse Pinkman with the, the poncho and the goggles and the respirator. He steals from the uh, Tostonian alien he eyed coming out. Um, walks around the lab there, makes a beaker bubble and shatter and in the clamor steals a key and opens a door to the back, takes his goggles up, his mask down. And then, uh, one of Vex underlings ask what he's doing back there. He seems to have lost his way. He needs to go back to work and then. Obi-Wan, as a Jedi who can't use or show his powers, elbowing the smaller guy and fighting the larger one, cutting his hand on his horns. Which I think is a good reminder of a somewhat physically diminished Obi-Wan as well. Or, or maybe Pete, I'm being overly... Uh, overly uh, critical of an Obi-Wan who's, I guess, not that much older than me within 10 years. How old is old uh, Ewan McGregor here? I think he's 52. 50, he's 51 as of now. So maybe, oh. Pete, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to change what I said to not showing his age, instead just showing life under the oppressive empire and not that in any way Obi-Wan is middle-aged and somehow less vital. He does vital. live on a planet with two sons, man. Like, so... You know, in in the desert. Yeah. Um, anywho, I like I, the the fight is good. The fact that he is is cut from it is a great kind of character moment to show where he's at. Um, we uh, have him, of course, asking where the girl is. He he goes goes to a spot, um, and instead finds droid parts. Uh, <laughs> Vect, oh, though my note does say flee. Uh, Vect's baddies. Um, uh, ultimately find him and Vict is ultimately surprised that Obi-Wan fell for this obvious trap here. Uh, Obi-Wan is punched, lightsaber taken. He's told the Inquisitor is on the way. Oh no, Pete, is this the series finale? Um, and Obi-Wan is, is called not a Jedi, just a man. Uh, and Obi-Wan notes that everyone bleeds. And it's at this point, Pete, that spice stashed away gets smashed to the ground and the mask that he never lost the respirator and so forth gets put back on uh, i see your use of great uh props there tv show yes kneeing vect and retrieving his saber closing him and his goons inside the room outside in the street the third sister moves a goon in her way as she gets a little closer uh, Obi-Wan wanders around inside the building, places a hand on a door, maybe to sense who's inside. Once open, Leia hits him in the gut and tries to run by him, uh, but he's able to stop her. Who is he? Her father sent him. He's there to help. Where's the army? Uh, he takes her hand and leads her out 
Why should she trust him? But would she rather stay there? Under a neon streetlight, uh, Leia wearing a red poncho and hood. There isn't much time. It would have been a lot easier with an army, Matt, but she's got to stay quiet as Reva arrives in the room with the Spice Guys. Indeed, Vict and his goons are Spice High. Uh, outside, Obi-Wan and it's Leia. not Slee's first time. Uh, <laughs> I think that's probably a safe assumption there. Uh, outside, Obi-Wan and Leia change garb. Uh, with this costume change, she notices his lightsaber and also notes that he's old and beat up. Uh, their goal is to move across the city and to be on the la- uh, out on the last transport. Uh, also outside, we see that uh, Reva is in trouble with the Grand Inquisitor for having sprung this plan. The footwork of it has been good, but it won't change what she is. The least of the Inquisitors... Uh, She was from the gutter. Her abilities have let her fly high, but she cannot escape her own stench. Uh, She turns it around and wonders if the stench is that of the Grand Inquisitor's failure. Uh, She is dismissed, but she notes that she's the one who brought Kenobi here, and she's told that she will be dealt with later. Ironic, Pete, given as how she deals with him later. They have another sister with them. This is the fourth sister, Matt. Um, with a voiceover, Reva tells Vect to send the alert and the hologram of Obi-Wan across the city. She wants every lowlife and bounty hunter on the planet to see this headshot of episode three, Obi-Wan, and know Kenobi is there. They should only report to her and Vect Nakru. Uh, says, uh, does she really think those uh, scum can catch a Jedi? But she doesn't want them to catch him. She wants them to squeeze him. He'll reveal himself eventually, and she'll be waiting as Vect uploads the image. We see, perhaps not literally every lowlife, but the representation of all the lowlife getting this info, getting the hot sheet on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Kenobi sees baddies getting that info, too. Uh, He buys Leia a new outfit. Just the cape. Okay, the cape and the gloves. (laughs) Um, She, uh, Leia, also wonders if she really can be believed to be his daughter. Granddaughter, maybe. Um, She does, however, uh, love the look of Dayu. All the smells, all the things to touch. He tells her not to smell and not to touch. Uh, she wonders, uh, why can't he use his lightsaber? Maybe make her uh, float. Uh, it, it was at this point, Pete, that I was like, wait a minute. I remember the speech. General Kenobi, years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. Like, she's not supposed to know him. Uh, and it's literally, I was literally thinking that as she's going, lightsaber, force powers. As for his name, what's his name? He's Ben. And I said, ah, oh my goodness. I never stopped to think that those two never... never saw each other in A New Hope, right? Right, and then... Which is insane to think about, and I had never thought that that was a place you could get story from. And, you know, not to denigrate the power of memory, too, but, you know, just how vivid, even in a traumatic episode, would what you go through at 10 years old be to you later on. 
Um, but yeah, particularly since like as Obi Wan can uh, as Obi Wan Kenobi ages in the next ten years, he starts to all of a sudden like look like a completely different guy. You ever get that sense? <laughs> like it's a rough ten years ahead of him. I don't know what you're uh, getting at there, sir. But uh, you know we've got Dino aliens uh, strapping up. There's a green-eyed LOM droid, Matt. It's not for LOM, all right? It's a different one because he obviously meets a fate here. Uh, but, you know, um, Leia asks why he doesn't use his lightsaber, maybe because he's not really a Jedi. She heard they all died um, and uh, that he can't use the Force, but... He says that it'll draw attention as stormtroopers are around. Uh, hasn't even told her his name. It's 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 just Ben. That's not a Jedi name. Um, she'll have to trust him eventually. But how can she trust him when she knows he's hiding something? Uh, he thinks that the less he says, the uh you know, better off it's going to be, but it's actually the opposite. How old is she? 10? Uh, doesn't sound like it. Uh, and she thanks him as they elude more gun guys. We have Jayco bringing the wanted poster of sorts to Haja. Ah, we had him. Well, then better be uh, the folks that get to him first. Uh, we go back to Obi-Wan, who's almost found. Um and then he punches out a bounty hunter. Meanwhile, the Grand Inquisitor wants the port shut down uh, and is told that, indeed, these wanted posters are out. Reva! We move to Reva, who's watching from up above, looking down at the city. Uh, and, indeed, down below, Leia is walking as uh, she and Obi-Wan are hiding in an alley. Uh, the broken Lola is taken out, um, but Leia says that uh, Lola is strong. Uh, there's the hope that they'll be home by nightfall. Uh, the bounty hunters uh, calm beeps and uh, Leia intuits that uh, it is indeed Obi-Wan, Ben, that is the reason that she's here. Is Ben the kidnapper? She starts to run and he can't quite keep up, uh, in part because she's ducking under things suited for a child. Um, it's really a thrilling chase here through this, and all respect here, through this Blade Runner-esque type market. Um, and tension only gets worse as more and more bounty hunters and lowlifes and so forth start to find them. Obi-Wan shoots one, takes on another, uh, all while intercut we see the fifth brother leading a garrison of stormtroopers. The fourth sister as well and other scum as Leia gets into an alley and up a ladder. Obi-Wan following her up to the roof where he pursues that dinosaur bounty hunter fires his rifle all of this commotion reva is able to see from her vantage point uh leia hides in what look like clotheslines and reva flips down and then parkours her way closer leia keeps running obi-wan returns fire until leia comes to the big gap between buildings and now that LOM droid joins in the fray and fires, uh, a chimney is hit where a number of the uh, Moray owls, Matt, 
closely associated with Ahsoka Tano uh, come out. And we see Haja has made it up onto the roof as well. Indeed. Uh, Haja has entered the chat, as the kids say, <laughs> um, with uh, Leia ultimately jumping, uh, can't make it to the next building, ending up holding a wire, a clothesline. Uh, she falls, and Kenobi, Obi-Wan, reaches out with the Force, uh, slowing her uh, fall, then stopping it completely. She wanted him to make her float. He did it. <laughs> Indeed. Um, it's clear to us that his powers are rusty, even as he completely lowers her to the ground. It is now that she believes him. In the starport, all travel is canceled. Uh, stormtroopers are on the ground. Uh, Haja finds our heroes, uh, Obi-Wan and uh, Leia, of course, uh, taking out a bounty hunter. Uh, he is pointing them to a cargo port. No one will be looking at cargo going in and out, but with travel, you know, uh, you know, people travel being canceled. Uh, can we trust him? Well, he's just a bad guy trying to make amends. Pete, he's Academy Award nominee Kumail Nanjiani. Of course, he's not selling them out here. Um, he's yes, he's traded safety for credits in the past, uh, so he likes to buy things with credits. Still, <laughs> so though, much stuff you can buy with them. Yeah. Uh, Pete, I look forward to uh, I don't know thirty years from now when John Favreau's kids and Dave Filoni's kids are making new Star Wars. It's going to be the Haja Chronicles, the prequel story you never knew. Um, but with that, he's pointing the way out. He hands over a, a, a key fob of sorts. Um, what if it's a trap, though? Uh, and Haja, of course, well, I think that's a great question. It's also a great question for we, the audience. Why are our heroes going to believe this guy who has proven himself to be a, not a great guy? Uh, Haja says there's no other choice, which is a really solid story answer and I think true for the characters. Uh, Obi-Wan takes the fob there and he's not alone and Haja S3 puts on his hood because he's going to buy them as much time as he can and it's a great moment when he blasts the fallen LOM droid again as he leaves we see uh, Vect being brought towards the Inquisitor's uh, spinning blades uh, Vect says he knows nothing and gets you know, well, he screams, I think, the heavy implication that this is the end of Vect. Um, we then go to uh, Haja versus Riva. What's the bounty on Haja? One million, two million, you will not get it, uh, though I am a Jedi. Uh, however, she senses he is, in fact, not a Jedi. Uh, she force pushes him into the wall. He kind of groans and says, this isn't magnets. Uh, and it's at this point, you know, he, he's not going to share anything. However, she uses the force to search his mind pulls it out of him and leaves up at the platform here obi-wan brings leia in to the cargo port it's not meant for people so they must be careful uh and they won't look for them there unless it's a setup leia notes that uh with all the busyness of the day today any help should be taken uh, Obi-Wan says that she reminds him of someone else, stubborn and fierce. No, no, not a Jedi, but she was a leader who died uh, a long time ago. Pete, uh, could that be uh, Leia's mother? Could that be 
Satine, the Duchess of Mandalore, not to be confused with the other Satine that you you and McGregor shared a screen with in Moulin Rouge, uh, played by Satine, played by uh, Nicole Kidman. But Pete, I ask you, which woman is he talking about? In your heart of hearts, search your feelings. It's got to be Padme, right? Like the the justice for Padme, even though Natalie Portman doesn't give the performance in the prequels i think we all hoped for and that she's since shown she's capable of you know harrison ford reminded george lucas that he could write this stuff down but you couldn't really say it uh yet somehow you and mcgregor managed to say it with a plum but uh yeah it's got to be padme they're referring to here Regardless, there's a clank, and both of them hide. Who caused the clank? It's Reva, lightsaber, a light. She calls out for Obi-Wan. Uh, Obi-Wan sends Leia to the, the spot of escape to, towards the ship as he preps his lightsaber. Uh, we see Leia putting the, the, the key of sorts into the, the scanner, into the lock, into the, the make-go button, though she has not activated anything. Reva says that Obi-Wan does not need to worry. He won't die today. Uh, instead, Obi-Wan will be taken to him. Indeed, Lord Vader will be pleased. And the realization here that Obi-Wan has, he didn't kill Anakin. So part of his exile in the desert here being beyond hiding out of this self-imposed nature that he was under the impression he had murdered Anakin, leaving him on Mustafar uh, minus his legs and his last remaining arm. And now knowing for the first time, apparently word of Darth Vader has not traveled to where he is on Tatooine. They're not talking about it in the, uh, in the uh, the meat cutting and salting area uh, running around the galaxy. Uh, it is reiterated perhaps for Obi-Wan, maybe more for the audience that this Lord Vader who will be pleased uh, is Anakin Skywalker who is alive. Uh, but with that, the grand inquisitor arrives. Uh, he notes that uh, he notes that Reva's ambition is reeking step aside. Third sister, uh, but Pete, in a move I was not expecting, she kills the Grand Inquisitor. Does she? Well, she, how about this way? She appears to attempt to kill the Grand Inquisitor, uh, and she sneers, who's in the gutter now? Uh, coincidentally, this also gives just enough story space for Obi-Wan to run, run up to the transport, Leia pushing the button moments before he jumps on in there. And as the transport takes off, Reva narrowly misses it. Uh, so just a, a, a series of very close calls there. We see that as as safety has been got, Obi-Wan is uh, shaken. He's hardly hearing uh, Leia as he processes the news that Anakin Skywalker is alive. Which brings us to the aforementioned Anakin Skywalker in a back-to-tank, far, far away, and uh, ready to enter for episode three. It's time to comb the desert for some theories. 
Pete, I did not know to expect that this might be, uh, for the foreseeable future, uh, a story about Obi-Wan and Princess Leia. I, I had wondered in some of the preview stuff, you know, what's the story space when we know Luke is okay in 10 years and we know the fates of so many of the characters. I was just astonished that they took the story in the direction that they did. I knew about Leia and the kidnapping. I didn't know it'd be Flea who done it. So that's where they touched my heart and broke my heart. Um, yeah, I think painting in this space of what we were unaware of, everybody just assumed because they showed you and he's on Tatooine. Oh, it's going to be all about protecting Luke, which he still is, but he's been roped in by going on this mission to save uh, Leia Organa. Um, and you got to bring back Jimmy Smith's to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I would be interested to know whenever eventually they do behind the scenes for this. Um, I'd be interested to know the story kind of, uh, evolution of all this. We, we had discussed in some of the preview podcasts, how the bones of the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie are present here, uh, particularly as you know, we look at the the story credits for the six episodes. Um, but the kind of somewhere in the middle is the stuff made for the show or the process of stretching a two and a half hour movie into 300 minutes and all of that. Um, to me, it just makes so much sense. If he goes after Leia, well, then we get more of a character who, you know, in retrospect, was perhaps underserved in the original trilogy and unfortunately did not get as much screen time uh due to carrie fisher's passing as there might have been in the the sequel trilogy so you're doing right by the character you also get to see more of alderaan which is this sad place for us because we know the fate is going to befall you get more jimmy smiths you get you know obi-wan you get the conflict of he's pulled off of the job we know he took when last we saw him and that we know he took when first we saw him it's just what a, I mean, it's just this this series of of of, you know, bonuses that you get from this story decision. The transition from sad observer and protector to having to jump in and, and act. And, you know, Obi-Wan, for me, forever, the mentor character from the originals who makes the call to Luke to train with the force and go on this adventure. And now it happens to him that he's brought in with the call to go help Leia. Um, but, you know, let's talk about where the series begins, Matt, very prominently with a young black youngling. Yes. And certainly the notion uh, also set up in that first episode that, Reva has a particular dislike for Obi-Wan Kenobi and has a particular past and motivation. Um, a very sensible theory that, um, as also gets mentioned in the second episode, uh, kind of almost dropped, uh, dropped almost, uh, you know, casually into the second episode. Oh, these inquisitors, many of them, uh, were once Jedi themselves before they turned to the dark side. So, Though I think there's the setup in episode one, there's also maintenance of that reveal at some point in the second episode as well. 
there is. And for her to be told by the Grand Inquisitor that she's the least of them, that her powers brought her higher up, uh, you know, that they're establishing her trajectory for this season of, of television that potentially that's her in the beginning that she feels that the, the Jedi abandoned her though. She, if she's that youngling was protected by one, uh, with her life. Um, and you know, now wants a piece of this great Jedi that was nowhere to be found to protect them. I think that it's such a departure from, let's say the, the, the original star Wars template, which is to say, you know, Darth Vader is just really bad because he wears, you know, he's like all black and who knows, is he a robot? Is he an alien? Is he the, his, his face is so scary. We can't even look on it. And he's just evil because he's evil. Now, of course I know as the, as George explored the story further, that evolved. And I know that if we look at things now chronologically, we know his tragic backstory and all of that. But I think I kept watching these two, two episodes, thinking about the sequel trilogy, and I enjoy the sequel trilogy quite a bit. In fact, if anything, I think I like The Force Awakens most of all because it, it really is fun. And the things that J.J. brings, like the camera work and, and knowing how to deal with nostalgia... Those are all real pluses that make that movie really, really great to watch. But I also feel like these two episodes of Kenobi feel more authentic as Star Wars, and they're not going out of their way to create the Lola droid that can turn into a Galaxy's Edge lollipop and cookie and toy. It's just they've done story first, and these things can follow. Yes, and Matt, I'll remind you here that pre-orders on the Lola droid begin on Wednesday. Um, Are you serious? 100%. Wow. That has always been Star Wars. And, you know, I'm, I'm fine with them making things years before and then, you know, selling them later. In fact, Matt, from a collector perspective, the biggest issue of late has been they make a thing and the uh, uh, the memorabilia and the merchandise people find out about that thing when the thing appears on screen, not through the back channels when it's first dreamed up and put into the thing. So if anything, I think they're more authentic to the vision now and less to the merchandising. <laughs> Um, in terms of where things can go in future episodes, for as much as I said, oh man, like I'm so impressed that this ends up being a Leia arc, it does occur to me they could get back to Alderaan safely in the next episode and set up a second half. I mean, clearly Darth Vader, you know, to, to see, you know, Hayden Christensen in the back to tank. Um, all scarred and so forth with the extended breathe in, cut to black, breathe out and all of that, you know, really, really powerful stuff. So again, even as much as I kind of said, wait, you keep going to this Leia stuff in the first episode. That's kind of cool. Oh, wait, it's the end of the episode. This is about him and Leia. Got it. New expectations, new story arc. Um, 
that expectation might be, you know, subsumed by something else as soon as next Wednesday. Yes. And I get from the way that they gave us Darth Vader in the back, the tank at the end. I mean, Matt, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a way to start next episode? Not by picking up with Obi-Wan and Leia, not by, all right, now the suit goes on and, and Darth Vader uh, emerges into the story proper. But uh, how about a little flashback there with Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan during the Clone Wars? Well, I know that you had, uh, in the past, you pointed to some pre-visualization art that might lend itself toward that. I will also say, in a larger sense here you know season one of mandalorian fantastic season two of mandalorian even better book of boba fett quite quite good almost better on rewatch um and it also made some really interesting story choices particularly in the first three episodes where i think you could easily say hey what's the episode where um you know, the, the, the Raiders get killed and you, you might say, well, it's the first or the second or the third, just because of how the flashbacks work with the present day story and all of that. My point is this, there's a lot of great stuff going on in the, um, John Favreau, Dave Filoni end of star Wars. Interesting choice that this is not a show with their direct involvement. I'm sure they're in on the discussions and whatnot, but they're not producers, directors, writers on this show. I mention all of that because Book of Boba Fett opened the door to us saying the thir- the ostensible third season of the Mandalorian era of TV, uh, of Star Wars TV, it can go beyond normal expectations of this is what a pilot needs to do. This is what needs to be established by the very end of the first episode. Maybe we'll spend up to half of the show doing flashback to get us to the show we want to do, which is to say that's a Favreau Filoni tool. Is that a tool that could be used next week? Could it could could Kenobi and Leia hardly be in next week's episode? That's possible too, too even though that's not, even though it's not going to be a tool wielded by the people who did it as recently as Book of Boba Fett. Given that they streamed these first two episodes right from the get go, didn't want to leave you at the moment of Obi Wan, you know taking on the call and and leaving for the adventure. They wanted to start the adventure proper. And now Matt, one of the landing pages showing Obi-Wan across from uh, a red lightsaber that is familiar and not an inquisitor hand, uh, assuming it's Tatooine or some other similar landscape where he and Darth Vader ultimately going to meet. There's times that I'm not crazy about advertising leading us in that direction, even though not for nothing, the opening night offering of these two episodes is Darth Vader's out there and you know, I'll say this in quotes, like he hears you, you know, like Darth Vader is aware that the story is getting interesting. You know, Darth Vader's looking into camera. He sees all of you at home, whatever it is, like Darth Vader is coming. So the story is suggesting that I don't necessarily need like the landing page poster to be like, and there's going to be a really awesome Darth Vader, Obi-Wan fight. Uh, even though I think from the moment that it was like Hayden Christensen is in the show, 
you're like, okay, there's going to be another fight, right? Has to be. Absolutely yeah. has to be. Um, and again, you don't go get Hayden Christensen to just put on a bunch of prosthetic makeup and be inside a water tank. Uh, I was also tickled pink to see the brief moment of C-3PO. I would wonder, did Anthony Daniels suit up yet again? Because he's the number of times Anthony Daniels has taken off the suit for the last time, you know, is it legitimately must be, or has played the role. If you then include voice stuff, like it legitimately must be 10 to 15 times. that It's been like, all right, family, let's go out to dinner for I have played C-3PO the last time. Um, but anyhow, great to have C-3PO there. I must confess, I had also kind of lost track of where C-3PO was up to. Although, of course, I know he's in Princess Leia's service, Come a New Hope, hence Tatooine and so forth. But it just feels like it feels like this is running on all cylinders. The show is running on all cylinders. And it's a different engine than the Mandalorian part of the universe. And those two engines don't need to be the same. And they don't need to be in competition. And we don't need to be headed towards, you know, Kenobi is the Force Ghost helping Star Avengers. Like, it can be separate and it's all wonderful. Speaking of the Force Ghost, Matt, Qui-Gon referenced in the previously on, called out for in both episodes. Like, he's got to show up, right? I mean... Absolutely. And I think that when you particularly look at the, what I will assume was the externally made previously on, um, I mean, it would be enough to theorize that the fact that he's like saying, you know, Qui-Gon, I wish you were here, like kind of, you know, quasi praying to him. Um, the fact that it's very clearly like, we're going to remind you that Yoda is going to teach him how to do this. Um, that too must be must be a moment that is coming. It's just a matter of when does it make sense in the story? Pete, can do you think Qui-Gon can meet the boy from Tatooine again? Could that be the scene that it's the three of them back? That that might be a brain-breaking scene for Anakin slash Vader to become knowledgeable that Jedi can maintain their form you know, much was made for the special editions, special edition to have the force ghost of Anakin change over from, um, you know, the original actor, uh, Sebastian Shaw. Um, you know, that, that could be really good. It could be really emotional for Liam Neeson to show up there. Uh, Matt, on the subject of the Force, is Leia using the Force already? My initial reaction would be no, because George never showed that. And then I realized, <laughs> wait, I'm not, like, I don't have TV show daddy issues like that where I need George Lucas and Gene Roddenberry to come down from the mountain with, you know, stone tablets and what they say is the way it is, All you know, is the way uh, as it shall be and so forth. I think it would be an interesting expansion of the character. Again, I return to, you know, the, <laughs> the fact that George had, the fact that George wanted Princess Leia in A New Hope or in Star Wars 1977 
you know, to be a forceful lady. And when she was, when Carrie Fisher was like, George, may I wear a bra? And he said, no, in space, they don't wear bras. Like, that's one mindset that the movie was written, filmed under, and so forth. Fast forward to the sequels. All right, we're going to, we're going to lend credence to some of these, uh, these, you know, long-term characters and so forth. And, you know, she doesn't get her proper due, unfortunately. That doesn't mean that you still can't do right by the character. Um, and I think that if Leia gets successfully returned home uh, next week and we kind of say, I, I, I hope to look upon the beautiful waters of Alderaan one day and Obi-Wan leaves and we go, yeah, Alderaan's going to be destroyed in 10 years. Then the answer is no. If they're going to extend this Leia portion of the story into beyond next week uh, and indeed make it the arc of the season, uh, then, yeah, let's bring some powers in there. It's not my theory. I've seen it proposed by other people that she's able to read her cousin, that she's able to know this stuff about him. Uh, seems like latently, at least, she may be using the force. I love that as a take, and I think that it also can be added to some of the other things that we pointed out in the recap that, at best, the show is being a bit vague so that it can go either way, whether it's something that they want to pick up from later on or not. Um, it's okay to write a situation where you say, it could be Satine, it could be Padme. We'll let the audience member decide whether they want to go deep cut Obi-Wan's Lady Love or the female lead from the movies that Ewan McGregor was in before this. Um, so I, th I, I guess what I'm trying to say, among other things, is there's a really smart bit of writing going on here, um, w which, let's not forget, the first episode has a uh, story by Stuart Beatty, Hassini Amin, teleplay by Joby Howard, Hassini Amin, and Stuart Beatty. Second episode... A uh, story by Stuart Beatty, Hassini Amin, teleplay by Joe Joby Howard. This is a this is a story conceived as a movie turned into a TV show. Kathleen Kennedy hit the big red button to pause everything because the stories were not where they wanted them to be. Whether it was the stories from these two episodes or the middle or the end or whatever, um, but there has been plenty of time, and not time because there's a COVID shutdown and let's all we can do is edit our scripts. There has been a lot of effort to get this story right for a movie, for a TV show, not right for a TV show, make it better. Um, then I think they were still COVID impacted in production, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So the notion that there's this level of care and consideration to the story where things can be setting up things in the future or things are just intentionally, let's not answer everything. Let's leave it a little bit open. Let's leave it a little bit more nuanced. I'm pleasantly surprised, but I think that if you're going to put this much care into a property like this, we shouldn't be surprised that that uh, it's just such a well-written and well-crafted story. The Merson Pirates, Matt, a 1979 Star Wars Marvel Comics reference. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that's what you got. I, I did see in the credits Pablo Hidalgo, uh, yes. who we've had the pleasure Lord of meeting. advisor now. Lord, yeah. So that that's where you get. I, you know, I don't know if they. I don't know if they do the Star Trek thing of insert techno babble here. You know, insert pirate reference here. But the process of this Star Wars family is, you can say, you know, it's the it's the 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 scary pirates. You know, n note 
replaced with something better and you can have a Pablo Hidalgo or someone else go through and go, all right, let me open on, let me open up my book. Let me check Wikipedia, whatever it is. Let me find the right pirate for you. Or, you know, I remember the Marvel comic from when I was X number of years old. We're doing Merced Pirates, whatever it is. It just really helps build this world out. Where will there be more Tamora Morrison? Could we get Cody or Rex? Um, if they do, then maybe they could credit Tamora Morrison in the main credits and not as as part of the. Also in this episode is Street Urchin number one, Tamora Morrison as a clone trooper, you know, old begging clone trooper, uh, drug dealer number two. You know, like I I, I kind of I can't quite imagine why the guy who headlined the last show doesn't get his own kind of you know full screen his name only on screen credit um i guess that is what that is um can we see more of him to answer your question can we see more of him yes should we see more of him that's where i say hold up a little bit here's why i say hold up how much of your intended audience is going to go oh my goodness, it's Cody versus it's Boba Fett. But I thought this was before Boba Fett, but there, there he is like looking like 60 years old. So I guess this is, so where's the Mandalorian? And then where's baby Yoda? Like that, all of that to avoid confusion might be enough where you sit and go. Yeah. If you have questions why that guy looked quite a bit like Boba Fett, but also had long hair and less vibrance and so on and so forth. And was clearly not Boba Fett. If you have questions, go dig a little deeper but we don't want to be like, and here's Captain Cody joining the Obi-Wan Kenobi team. And next February, there's Boba Fett still part of the Mandalorian team. Don't be confused. I think there's the risk of confusion. <laughs> Lastly, can the Grand Inquisitor really be dead in a universe that Ming-Na Wen can have robot mod parts put in her belly and brought back and that he is killed again in Star Wars Rebels? <laughs> um the second reason might be better evidence than the first as to why he might not be fully truly dead this time can we, how about this pete he's dead uh, sidelined for now time to dig out a communicator here's what we have heard from others pete we start with the traditional twitter poll uh how many stars would people give uh, the first one, maybe counterintuitively, uh, one star, zero the hut, got 1.6%. Seriously, gave this a one star. Okay, fine. Uh, two stars, Padawan, 6.5%. Three stars, Jedi Knight, 21%. And four stars, Jedi Master, 71%. Uh, some replies on Twitter. James is sagacious, big killing on Twitter. Uh, also, I kind of want third sister to raise Leia just to see what would come out of her mouth as an adult. That's fun. Uh, Eric Pritchard at coach underscore Pritch. It's finally here. So happy they made it uh, happen. Uh, it is hashtag fantastic. That's fantastic with PH. Ewan's acting shows her, uh, a range of emotion. Little Leia is great. Jimmy Smith's and Flea. And love seeing more of the animated characters in live action. When Kenobi found out Anakin is alive. And Owen memes for days. <laughs> Next, JT Adkins. JTA is me. What fun, nicely done, uh, pardon me, well done, nicely paced. Ewan was awesome, of course, great atmosphere, loved the Jawa negotiation. Was the girl being kept prisoner in closet 2187? 
nice casting with her. Uh, finally, uh, and finally, uh, an MCU crossover not uh, too long, not too long time ago for an Eternal hashtag. It's all connected. Uh, Pete, I know what he's referring to, but I, I don't acknowledge Eternals as a movie. Wow. Um, well, I guess I acknowledge it as a movie. Anyhow, Noel Gardner at Noel Camille uh, the, says these two episodes were amazing. The just in case you haven't seen the prequels recap was perfect. Reva is dangerous and a little out of control. Could she have been one of the younglings from the opening scene? Pete, great minds think alike. Little Leia being the focus melted my heart. Uh, LMD Mary at Geek Kirk replied to that and said, okay, but dragging Peter J. Kadalar in, here's the thing. Did anyone but me think that when uh, she drug her cousin for filth uh, that she was using the force because that's what it felt like, like Leia had been using it her whole life to read and influence those around her? Uh, Noelle said, you're not alone. I thought she's absolutely reading him. She doesn't know, and Bale may not recognize that as a Jedi uh, skill. And indeed, Pete, sticking with uh, LMD Mary at Geek Kirk, uh, look, let's take this story back to the first season of The Mandalorian. I was so uninterested in that concept. Spoiler, Pete told me I was going to change my mind once I saw it. I poo-pooed him. End of that first episode, I saw that baby, and I was gone. All in, hooked by that story. Then Book of Boba Fett. Like there was ever a character I was less interested in? No, there was not. But they got me with that backstory of his time with the Tuscans. Now Obi-Wan. I was only going to watch this show for Hot Ewan. <laughs> then uh, they threw me that twist. It's not about his time watching Luke. It's about Leia. I almost teared. Uh, I'm almost tearing up typing. What a gift. I can't even uh, with how much joy. My dead heart threw grease, uh, grew three sizes in that moment. They just keep subverting expectations. I've always been a Trekkie, but with these stories, they're bringing me around, stealing my heart, earning my love. Uh, I just can't with how good they are. Uh, back to James Sagacious, uh, who had said, I loved every minute. There's a plot from the old novels where Qui-Gon finally comes to Ben and tells him to keep Luke on Tatooine because Vader will never go there due to his memories there. I hope we get, uh, Indeed. I hope we get at least a version of that. The Temple Massacre scenes are always hard to watch, but seeing Alderaan, ouch. The little princess is stealing the show, but what else would we expect from Disney? I think Carrie Fisher would be proud. Next up, Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983. Little Leia is my new hero. Or Shiro, Andre wrote. Feisty, just like her adult version. She stole the first two episodes. The show is going to be good. She sh uh, should really fill in gaps after episode three. Uh, single since Obama, Kylie G328 have replied. She is brilliant. Uh, the way she read her cousin uh, for filth gave me life uh, andre says i was smiling ear to ear when she did that uh, his face was priceless and how she refused to apologize was even better next we hear from ms myra at myra carmel loved it what wonderful casting for little leia it's like i could see carrie fisher in there can't wait to see where the show will go uh, another tweet here from uh kylie g Three, two, eight. I'm probably Star Wars's uh, target audience, but my God, seeing Ewan as Obi Wan again was bomb for my soul. Sorry, Alec Guinness, but this is Ewan's role, and you just played it before him. Wow. <laughs> Next, uh, Dar uh, Darren Bell, Darth Rasslin, seventy nine. Holy Sith! I love these opening episodes. Uh, plenty of action. Reva looks to be a great villain. A few surprises for me, as I didn't didn't expect to see Leia, and a nice little cameo from Tamora Morrison. But do the Inquisitors have back to tanks on their ships? Because anyone who uh, watched Rebels will want answers uh, to what happened in a certain scene. Also, keep the Order 66 scenes coming. 
Snow Goggles, at Snow Goggles, says two perfect hours of television. And Pete, that's P-E-R-P-H-E-C-T. Nice. Uh, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln. I have seen every episode of every Star Trek series and all 13 movies many times over. I've read dozens of Trek novels. Currently about to finish one uh, this week, A-A-M-O-F. And I've been a Trek fan since before TNG debuted. But this franchise, this thing called Star Wars, it's been my first love ever since I saw the first movie in a theater in 1977 as an almost six-year-old. Ben Kenobi has been in our lives for 45 years, and it's so good to see him again in this latest Star Wars story. There's too much to list that's good about Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show, so I, uh, I'll just say thank you. Thank you to everyone who helped bring us this newest series. It's just wonderful. Next, Jackie Wolf. That's at Jackie Wolf. It's finally here. This series has been waylaid and changed so many times that part of me was dubious that the time had come right up, to, uh, right up until I pressed play. It's so good to see Ewan playing his iconic character again. The weight of all of Obi-Wan's tribulations shows on his face. And I gotta say, those of us who don't pretend that the pandemic doesn't exist, feel your pain, man. Uh, what kind of animal meat was being harvested in the desert? I'm calling it a sandworm. Also, George Lucas <laughs> needs to write the Herbert family a check. Ouch. Um, David Siller, it's at uh, Siller David Poet, says, I can't decide whether I'm as excited as that kid in the back of the station wagon in the drive-in in the late uh, 70s or as excited as that college kid in the late 90s who had some special additions to devour. The first two episodes of Kenobi were everything we needed them to be. Just like that kid and that bigger kid, I hit play episode eyes wide and ready to be taken to a galaxy far, far away. I didn't know what 10-year-old uh, Rusty Force skills would look like, but they were spot on. Never imagined what 10-year-old Leia would be like, but she's spot on. I figured 10-year-old Luke would just be the same. Spot on. Camille Nanjiani, spot on. Organa, spot on. Uncle Owen, spot on. They ended each episode with just the right tease. I cannot wait for next Wednesday. My final thought, I hope the discourse around Kenobi revolves around fan reactions and discussions. Uh, for far too long, people who are clearly not Star Wars fans have tried to poison how we talk about this universe we love. I'm so glad Fantastic Geek is here for good discussion. Uh, Pete, that reminds me, uh, Deadline had a rather dour review of these two episodes. You know, the same entertainment reporter who, like all entertainment reporters, only got the two episodes on launch day the same as everybody else it's kind of weird how that tends to lead to lower reviews mm, from people who it? are used yeah people used to getting four or five episodes in a week out you know, anyhow pete last tweet here from glenn dovey team l h44 at glenn dovey real excited to start to start watching this we have recently been running through all our star wars films again and obi-wan is one of our favorite characters pete hopefully glenn enjoyed the ride there to Facebook, Matt, where Kyle Roath writes in to the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Obi-Wan Kenobi was amazing. They took Star Wars to the next level. Can't wait to see more on Wednesday. Steve Adams writes in to the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. Obi-Wan Kenobi came with the highest expectations of any of the new Star Wars projects. The first two episodes not only met those expectations, but far exceeded them. I was blown away. I love the fact that we all thought this was going to be about Luke, and instead we get Leia and the Organas. What a brilliant misdirect. 
we get to see Obi-Wan dealing with his failure and not very well, I might add. I do find it a little hard to believe that even as secluded as he was, he still never heard about Vader being alive, especially considering Padme's plea to him. And I may have misheard, but I sent, it sounded like Reva referred to Leia as Anakin's daughter, not Organa's daughter. I know you guys watch with subtitles. Was I mistaken in what I heard? Speaking of Reva, I cannot get enough of her. She is an imposing presence, to be sure. When I saw the clone soldier begging for credits, I almost expected him to recognize Obi-Wan and tell us his name. Next Wednesday and episode three cannot get here fast enough. Until then, stay fantastic. And he spelled it with the PH. To my knowledge, Reva does not know that Anakin has children. Is that your understanding, Pete? It is. Um, I think the the dialogue about going into the archives of finding out that Bail Organa and Obi-Wan Kenobi had worked together and using the child of what everybody assumes is Bail Organa as bait to do that. Pete, to the email inbox we go. Uh, this from uh, Stacy, a.k.a. Stingray, a.k.a. TrekGirl88, uh, who hopes that uh, there's not a risk of crossing the streams by including Star Trek and Star Wars in the same email. Uh, Pete, there is not. We can all coexist. Um, and she says of Kenobi, I managed to stay pretty spoiler free going into Kenobi. So I was quite surprised where the story went. Starting out with the Inquisitors, sure set a specific tone. This is going to be dark and gritty. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, but they got me. It felt a little like the beginning of The Force Awakens, following Ben through his day, then back to his cave where he cooks a little meal and sits at the entrance to eat. Ewan McGregor played Obi-Wan's despair so well. I felt for him, his ongoing grief over the loss of his friend, having to watch Luke grow up, how much Luke is like a young Anakin. And then we meet Leia, who is uh, just as you would expect a young Leia to be. Vivian Lyra Blair is absolutely delightful. I can't imagine a better child actor to play the young version of a Carrie Fisher character. Jimmy Smith did a good job of playing doting, indulgent dad. He knows how to relate to his daughter, appealing to her love of bossing her cousin around to get her interested in being in the Senate. I love her take on it. Senate is uh, people in itchy clothes arguing. Pretty accurate. I can think of a few people in the real life Senate. Absolutely wish a lifetime of itchy clothes on. Can't wait to see what's next. Pete. That from Stacy. I think Stacy sums it up perfectly. But Matt, want a little bit more perfection? Get yourself over to Patreon.com/slash Fantastic Geek. Indeed, Pete, we are so proud to be listener supported, uh, particularly with June looming closer and closer, and the the three weeks when it'll be Ms. Marvel, Strange New Worlds, and Kenobi. Uh, and to have that support behind us, especially when there's the increase in storage and bandwidth and all that stuff, it is so, so appreciated. And our thanks, as always, to those who go to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to pick from. But it takes just a dollar to get you in that door. Can't contribute right now? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating in seconds, a review in a little while longer. Uh, all of which help us and can't underscore how much those ratings and reviews help us find our way into the ears of other people. So please don't hesitate to do that. 
And also, dear listener, please don't put your communicator away in your footlocker. Let's keep the conversation going. Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,468 followers. Can't be wrong. Well, I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost. Do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. Pete, if you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we close out the month tomorrow talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, if you're here just for the Kenobi stuff, we're back Though the episode comes on Wednesday, we're back on uh, June 4th, Star Wars Saturday, uh, to continue with part three. For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. It's not like anyone would miss me if I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs>